one of the challenges that I face as a pastor is figuring out how to motivate people to do the stuff that I know that's gonna make a huge difference in their life because we uh, aim to inspire and equip people to follow Jesus wholeheartedly, knowing that following Jesus makes life better and makes you better at life. I'm absolutely convinced that if the more that you follow Jesus, the more wholeheartedly you follow Jesus, the better your life is going to be. But figuring out how to motivate people and how to equip them in order to follow Jesus wholeheartedly is sometimes the challenge. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. We're in a series called How to Church. And this is the third message in this series, and it's all about the relationships that we're pursuing. And that kind of gives you a little bit of insight into where we're going, that so much of following Jesus wholeheartedly has to do with the relationships that you have in your life. But you have to be motivated and you have to be equipped. And that's the kind of thing that we're going to be talking about. So the question is, how can I make progress spiritually? How can I make progress spiritually? And why would I even want to make progress spiritually? Uh, we all have a sense that there are certain things that we should do. You know, I should probably show up to church. I should probably read my Bible. I should probably pray. And uh, you know, those things will help me make progress spiritually. I'm not exactly sure what that looks like. I'm not actually sure what that benefit will be. But I know there are some probably things there's probably some things out there that I should be doing if I want to make progress spiritually. And then when we go to make progress spiritually and we say, okay, I'm going to do those things. Then, you know, we start reading the Bible and we're doing good as we go through Genesis and then we're into Exodus and it's getting a little weary. And then by the time you're in numbers, you're, you're putting the Bible on the shelf and you're, you're not sure you're going to continue. So you need some kind of tools or equipping or progress. How do I, is this the right way to go about it? How do I understand what I'm reading? Just all those kinds of things. So that's what we're going to be talking about today is how you can make progress spiritually. Why would you even want to? And then how can we equip you? How can we give you the tools that are going to make the difference? And in order to understand this, I was thinking about um, there, there's really a, a good parallel and it has to do with something that is very practical, something that we talk about and deal with every time, every day, and that is money. Uh, I will often we'll have conversations with people about uh, making progress financially. And I often will start with, well, what, what are the frustrations that you're experiencing and where do you want to go with that? And that tends to motivate people. And so you'll hear things like, you know, I'm tired of living paycheck to paycheck. Uh, I'm tired of when I have some kind of crisis or emergency in my life, then I have, on top of that, I have a financial emergency or financial crisis as well. It's like, okay, my car breaks down. Yeah, I've got to deal with that and work around that and get where I need to go and find some place to fix it. But uh, So there's a crisis associated with that. But then on top of that, I have a financial crisis because I don't have the money to fix my car. I want to be able to go on a vacation. I want to be able to visit friends, but I can't do that because the money's not there. I want to have confidence that I have money in the bank so if something unexpected happens. You know, there's all of these things that we know 
what we should do. We should probably budget. We should probably save. But but there's no there's no track. There's no track to run on. There's no plan to accomplish that. So by focusing on the motivation, what do you want your life to look like and compared to what it looks like now? And then providing the tools and a pattern and a track to run on, you can transform your financial life. And it's kind of the same way in our spiritual lives as well. After last week's on-site service where we gather together uh, and then afterwards we have the opportunity to talk it through a little bit, we were talking about motivation because we're really uh, elaborating on this pattern that we're following. What are the things that we do because we are a church of Jesus followers? And we were talking about the motivation. Well, what are the things that motivate you to lean into your relationship with the Lord? And it's like, well, you know, I have insights into what I need to do. The, there, I have questions that I need answers to, and I get the answers. I, was, I would have this sense of peace when I was following Jesus and close to Jesus. And, and I want to get back to that space. So we want to uh, in this message, tie into those motivations. What are the benefits? What are the things that you can expect if you are following Jesus? And then also equip you and give you some tools as well. So actually, because we're talking about relationships, we're actually going to talk today about time because you have to make space and time for those kind of relationships that are going to propel you spiritually. And the bottom line, the thing that we have to keep in mind for this is that relationships happen in the margin. Think about the, a page, a piece of paper, the white space around the text, that's the margin. So if you're gonna take notes, if you're gonna have a, a readable page, you need that white space, you need that margin. And if you're going to have good relationships, then you need space and time for those relationships as well. Relationships happen in the margin, so you have to create margin. And so the challenge, the way that we apply this, the coaching that we get from this, is to create space in your life for those beneficial relationships. We, our faith, is a relational faith. We enter into a new relationship with God as our Heavenly Father through what Jesus Christ has done for us, and then he places us in his family, and we have brothers and sisters in Christ, and that is by design, because it's those beneficial relationships it, that spur us on, that create the atmosphere, the space for spiritual growth. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. I'm going to read to you a passage. This is Acts chapter 2 verses 37 to 47. And we're not going to go into it in depth, but it will give you a picture of how the early church handled their relationships and how they created space for the relationship. So as I read it, I want you to be listening and watching for the different ways that they created space for relationships so that they could connect relationally and grow spiritually. So I'm going to read to you from the New American Standard Bible. This is Acts chapter 2 verses 37 to 47. And again, be watching for the ways that they created space for relationships. 
Now, when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart. The apostle Peter has just preached his Pentecost day sermon, and this is their response. And, and they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brethren, what shall we do? Peter said to them, repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call to himself. And with many other words, he solemnly testified and kept on exhorting them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. So then those who had received his word were baptized, and that day there were added about 3,000 souls. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. They were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you that you have made a way through Jesus Christ, for us to enter into a new relationship with you, with God as our heavenly Father, and then also with our brothers and sisters in Christ as well. We are a part of your family. We are citizens in your kingdom when we belong to Jesus. So I thank you for that. And I pray that as we look at your word today, as we study this together, that you would give us insight Help us to realize the things that we need to do and the things that we can do in order to draw closer to you. And I pray that you would show each one of us exactly what we need to do with what we hear today and prompt us, empower us, encourage us to act on it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we are at Cornerstone Online, and this is just one of the experiences that we create weekly in order to uh, provide this opportunity for you. So we, we're doing this online on Sunday mornings. There's also on demand. Once it's posted, you can watch it on your time frame. Uh, both of those are available at cornerstonenh.org. And then of course also we do have in-person opportunities as well with Cornerstone on site. And if you check cornerstonenh.org slash calendar, you'll be able to know exactly when and where we are meeting because lately with all the adjustments that we've been making, it does change from time to time. But all of these experiences are designed to inspire and equip people to follow Jesus wholeheartedly. And why? Because we know that following Jesus makes life better and makes you better at life. And if you're new to Cornerstone, we would love to be able to welcome you personally and stay in touch with you and uh, encourage you and resource you as you walk this spiritual journey. So if you're new here, start here. Text NEW to our church number, 603-225-2550, and we'll be able to do that. Now, 
like I said, we are in a series that's called How to Church, where we're just kind of laying out the basics of how we do church and how uh, church is designed to work. And we're actually going deep on something that we introduced last week. Last week, we talked about the pattern that we're following, and we showed this pattern that Jesus established through his life. And because we're followers of Jesus, we do the same things. So I noticed that as I was reading through Mark, studying Mark last year, that there was this pattern where Jesus would pray, heal, and teach. He would pray. He would get alone with his heavenly father and lean into that relationship with his heavenly father. Uh, He would invite others into that relationship. And then he would also heal. Wherever he went, he met needs. He would take care of the needs that he encountered and sometimes just staying from, uh, from early in the morning to late at night, meeting those needs, healing people. And then he would follow that up with teaching. He would provide the insights and the background that people needed in order to understand what was going on. So that is the pattern that we're following. That prayer we've described as knowing. Our faith is a relational faith. And if you're going to follow Jesus, you're going to uh, be with Jesus. You're going to lean into that relational aspect. We saw that in his pattern, Jesus' pattern. In Mark 3, 14, it says, and he appointed 12, talking about his disciples, his apostles, so that they would be with him. The first thing that is mentioned about what it means to be a follower of Jesus, to be one of his disciples, is that we are with him. It's a relational faith. And then the second part of the pattern, the um, the is the teach aspect, and that's growing. That's making progress. You become like Jesus. Our faith is a transformational faith. In Romans twelve two, it says, "Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think." Part of what transforms us is when our minds are renewed, when we uh, change the way that we think. And so the teaching aspect is what causes, it prompts, it catalyzes growth. So we're going to uh, know God. We're going to be with Jesus. We want to become like Jesus. We want to transform the way that we think. And then the last thing, the healing aspect is that in this broken world, Jesus sends us out. We go and we do the thing, kinds of things that Jesus does. And that tells us that our faith is an active faith where it's actually not just something that's off on your own that you do. It's not all in your head. You actually turn around and do something with it. The apostle James described this in his letter in James 2.17. It says, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. It's it's useless. It's not going to do anything. Your faith is useless if it doesn't turn into action. So, as we see Jesus praying and teaching and healing, so also we know and we grow and we go. So today we're going to dive deep in that aspect of the relational side of our faith, the, 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 um, the knowing 
aspect of it. And in order for that to happen, in order for the relational side of your faith to happen, you're going to have to create space because relationships happen in the margin. And so I'm going to suggest to you three different spaces, three different uh, opportunities that we need to create in our lives if we want to have space for these relationships that are going to be edifying and beneficial for us. And uh, they start with our relationship with our Heavenly Father to get alone with God. Relationships happen in the margin. If you're going to have a meaningful relationship with your heavenly father, you're going to have to create space and time to spend time with your heavenly father. This is what we see in Jesus' life. In Mark chapter one, verse 35, it says, before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. And we see this as a pattern in his life that it, despite all the teaching he did, all the healing that he did, all the things that he was doing, his days were full. He was making space and time, a place in his schedule and a place in his life to just get alone with his heavenly father. Now, there are many different ways that you can do this, but remember we said that we want to inspire and we want to equip. and. If you are going to make progress spiritually, you're going to have to connect relationally with your Heavenly Father. And one of the best tools that we have found to do that is this whole life journaling process. It's a way of spending time in God's Word, reading and responding to God's Word, and hearing from Him the insights that you need. So if you go to this link, cornerstonenh.org slash life journaling, you'll go to a list of articles on my personal blog that are all about life journaling that'll help introduce the concept to you and help you to establish this habit, make this time in your life. So <clears throat> inspiring. There are probably some questions that you have that you would like to have answers to. There are probably some problems that you're facing that you need insight and you need to know how to deal with them. There are probably some tensions in your life that you're not really sure how to resolve. You're being pulled in a couple of different directions. I can tell you from personal experience that in all likelihood, the answers that you're seeking, the solutions that you would like to find, and the tensions that you're trying to resolve, much of that, if you will create the space and time to get alone with your heavenly Father, to draw near to the God who loves you and created you, he's waiting and eager to give you the insights that you need. And it's only because you haven't set aside that time, because you haven't listened for that, that those are ongoing problems. What if some of those questions that you'd like to have answers to actually do have answers and they're just waiting for you? What if the, the solutions are there, but you just can't see it because you haven't spent the time listening? There's so many uh, insights and helps that I've received as a result of establishing this habit in my life of spending time 
alone with my heavenly father and getting into his word and getting to know him, spending time with him. I remember one of the things that I often share with others. I was reading through this passage and it was talking about making a clean break. And I thought about, okay, what are some things that I need to just put into the past and make a clean break? And then so often when I'm talking to others and giving counsel, it's make a clean break. Where did that come from? It came from reading through God's word and, and running across that particular phrase and just it stuck, stood out to me and, it's, and it continued to bear fruit over and over again. So many problems have been avoided by listening to that insight that I need to make a clean break. So many times I've had something meaningful to share to others to help them because I had that time where I was listening to my heavenly father and found that insight. And sometimes it comes about really unexpectedly. And like I said, as you read through the scriptures, there are going to be some times where you're just <clears throat> how on earth does this apply to my life? I was reading through uh, an Old Testament passage that was talking about all the different boundaries of ancient Israel and saying, well, the northern boundary is going to be this road and this mountain or this hill and the eastern boundary is going to be this and the southern boundary is going to be this. And I'm thinking, how on earth does this apply to my life? But I know that all scripture is God breathed and all scripture is, uh, uh, is helpful and useful. I'm like, okay, Lord, I will accept that on faith. So please help me. Why on earth are all of these things? What, how does this apply to my life? The boundaries of ancient Israel. How can I take that and make it something meaningful? And the thought came to me, well, why is that there? Why is it there? Why was it important to lay out those boundaries? And I was thinking, well, if you have clear boundaries, then that prevents boundary problems. You know, it, it, you're, you know if you know this is where the boundary is, then you're not p having people arguing over it. And those clear boundaries prevent misunderstanding. They prevent conflict. And I was thinking, well, that's why they're there. That's why you have boundary markers. That's why even today we record boundary markers in the town or county office or wherever it is. It's, it, it's clearly defining the boundaries and that prevents confusion and conflict. And then I was like, okay, well, that makes sense. And when we identify, when we set clear boundaries, you know, this is what the job requires. This is what I'm expecting of you. This is what we'll do. This is what we won't do. If we set up those boundaries, if we clearly define them ahead of time, then it's going to prevent confusion and conflict. Now that'll preach. And that's applicable, applicable. I can take that and say, okay, where in my life do I need to clearly define the boundaries so that there's no confusion and it prevents conflict? You see, if you will spend the time with your heavenly father, he will speak to you, he will lead you, he will guide you, he will answer the questions you have, give you solutions to the problems that you're facing and resolve the tensions that you are sometimes dealing with. And it's all because you make time. You create the space 
for your heavenly father to speak to you when you get to know him. So he appointed the 12 that they would be with him and your heavenly father wants to be with you. And the primary, one of the main ways that we do that is by interacting with the scripture. Second Timothy 3, 7, 16 and 17 says, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful. You're going to find it useful, applicable. It's going to provide you with tools in your life. What does it do? The scriptures teach us what is true. Uh, our basic conviction about the Bible is what the Bible teaches is true, is true. And in fact, the next series that I'm planning on doing will go deep into this. It's going to be called How to Bible, and we're going to give you the tools that you need and helpful insights that you need in order to really understand and, uh, and go deep with God's Word. So it teaches us what is true. It makes us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. You want to be prepared? You want to be equipped for what life throws at you? Then you're going to make time to spend time in God's word. And the life journaling process that I talked about is a tool that will help you to do that. It's an easy, understandable reading plan. It is uh, a process that you go through that's not difficult, doesn't take a lot of time, but it will lead you to these insights that you need and you will get to know your Heavenly Father through this as well. So relationships happen in the margin. You got to create space and time for those relationships and you begin by getting alone with God. And then the second step is to create a space and time where you get together with your circle. The scriptures famously say in Proverbs 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. It is our interaction with one another that helps us to grow, makes us more effective, and it's a necessary and integral part of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. It's not just a relationship that is vertical, you know, a new relationship with God. He also gives us the context of these horizontal relationships as well. He places you in a spiritual family. So how do we equip you? How do we provide for that? Well, there are groups, there are teams and groups at Cornerstone where you find your circle. So if you go to cornerstonenh.org groups, you will see a list of those different groups and you can even uh, join them online and that'll get you the process of connecting with these different groups. So be sure to check that out. Our faith is relational. And uh, being with Jesus also means being with Jesus' people. Uh, the benefit of this is described in Proverbs thirteen twenty. This is the message translation. It says, become wise by walking with the wise. It, it's not just a uh, church thing or a Bible thing. We know that you become like the people you hang out with. You're, I've heard it said before that you're going to become like the average of the five people that you spend the most time with with. So, you know, if you want to get good at money, then look at the way your friends handle money because they're the ones that are probably going to influence you the most. If you want to 
have good relationships with others? Well, how are, how are the relationships of the people that you hang out with? What kind of relationship do they have with their parents? What kind of relationship do they, the relationships do they have at work? What kind of marriages do they have? What kind of relationships do they have with their children? You're probably going to be pretty much the average of the people that you hang out with. And the good news aspect of that is if you choose wisely, if you hang out with wise people, then you are going to become wise as well. But the converse is also true. And that's what happens in the second half of this verse. Hang out with fools and watch your life fall to pieces. Now, the Bible's definition of a fool is not someone who's dumb. It's someone who knows the right thing to do, but doesn't do it. They choose wrong even when knowing the right thing. And if you hang out with wise people, you're going to become wise. If you hang out with foolish people, people who know the right thing to do, but choose to go in the opposite direction, it doesn't say you'll become foolish. It says that your life will fall to pieces. Another translation talks about it as pretty much like collateral damage. You know, their life is going to blow up and you're nearby, so you're gonna get the shrapnel as that happens. So the people that you hang out with matter. Now this doesn't mean that you can't hang out with people uh, that don't exactly share your convictions or are going in the same direction as you. We see Jesus uh, purposefully going and having dinner parties, hanging out with people that are going in the opposite direction. But the way that I judge this and the way I encourage others to judge it is which way are the lines of influence going? If you're hanging out with people and it's always pulling you in a direction and you're always acting and, uh, and reacting in a way that you don't want to, then the lines of influence are pushing you in a direction you don't want to. But if the lines of influence, if you're the one that is influencing and you're pulling people up, then that's a different story. But it calls for wisdom. And even uh, regardless of all the different kinds of relationships, you need relationships in your life that are going to pull you in the right direction, encourage you, and move you towards the place that you want to be. So check that out look at the tools that we provide as a church, these circles, these teams, these groups that allow you to find your circle that's going to be mutually encouraging. And whatever, whatever other circles you have or whatever other circles you have to be a part of, make sure that you find a circle of friends who are going to encourage you and move you in the right direction because you're going to become like the people that you hang out with. Our faith is a relational faith. It was designed relationally because relationships happen in the margin. You have to create the space to get alone with God. You have to create time to spend time with a mutually edifying and encouraging circle. And then lastly, to worship together with your crowd. In the passage from Acts that we read, it says this, they worship together at the temple each day. There was a time and they, when they were getting started, they would do this every single day where they would gather as a congregation, as a large group in order to 
worship. And then very early in uh, the church's existence, they established Sunday, the day that Jesus' resurrection happened, as the day of the week that they would set aside for that purpose. Now, uh, they also, in this passage, you see the group, the circle aspect as well. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. But the weekly habit that was soon established was that they worshiped together. Now, what you will find, if you will make space and time for this, is that there's something that happens that when we are together, I've, incur- I've encountered this many times. I mean, I'm, I'm a pastor. I prepare and plan services. I pr- prepare and plan messages. And I often will know the songs and know the music that's planned for a particular service and even participate in practices and rehearsals to kind of run through and do the same things that we're going to do. But when we are all together, when the moment happens, when everyone is together and we're singing those songs and I'm preaching and we're gathered together in fellowship, there is something extra about that experience. And uh, sometimes you hear people quote, uh, when two or more are gathered, uh, the, then Jesus said, I am there with you. That's, that, that doesn't, it, it actually doesn't mean that, uh, what people often use it for. It, that's more of, uh, it's actually in the context of uh, judgment and church discipline, but that's a different story. Uh, Jesus is present wherever you are because he is omnipotent. He's omnipresent. But when we gather together, you have a bunch of people who are moving in the same direction. You have a bunch of people who uh, share in God's spirit. On the day of Pentecost, that Acts 2.42 passage uh, uh, is describing uh, the Holy Spirit came and rested on and dwelled every single believer. And when you get all those people together, you have God's spirit and it's just, there's something extra about that. And so from the very first days of the church and even in the Hebrew scriptures, you see the congregation of God getting together and setting that time aside for worship, for fellowship, for teaching. Uh, And you need that in your life. You need that in your life. And that's what the church has done from the very beginning. I've often reflected on the fact that I'm so thankful that in the household that I grew up in, Sunday morning church was a given. We didn't get up on Sunday morning and say, well, do we feel like going to church today? Are we going to go to church today? No, it was just assumed. It's Sunday morning. We're going to go to church. That's what we do. We, we're, we're Jesus followers. We're going to gather together with other Jesus followers on the day, on the opportunity that we have. Now, you know, sometimes we meet on Saturdays. Sometimes you're meeting online. Sometimes you're listening to this podcast during the week. I get that. But we need to create a space and time for this, however you experience it. 
and getting together is of course the best option. It's not always the available option, but that's what we do. And we will, you are going to benefit from that in a way that is not really quantifiable. It, it, it doesn't even make sense, but it is what happens. And you need that regular encouragement. So the way we, we do this and we provide in a bunch of different ways. So if you go to cornerstonenh.org slash calendar, you will see our schedule and you'll know when and where you can gather with others. One of the best pictures and illustrations of this that I, I, I've, I've had is when I was a kid, I got for Christmas a Hot Wheels racetrack. Now stick with me because this is going to make sense. This Hot Wheels racetrack, you, you would just use those little Hot Wheels cars and you'd set up the track. And so it wasn't powered, it wasn't electrical. Well, it was powered, but it was, it was kid powered. And what would happen is you would put the car on the track and then there was this handle that you would turn and this handle would turn these two little wheels and as the car went through, it would grab the sides of the car and propel it around the track. And so you would spin, 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 you'd put the car in and zoom, it would send it around the track and it would go all the way around and then come back again, it's slowing down and then it hits those wheels again and you're cranking the wheels and zoom, it would spin around again and you could put multiple cars in it and you would just keep cranking and it would keep spinning and keep sending those cars around the track. For me, that's what weekly church does. It's like, it keeps me going. It spins those wheels and, you know, sometimes we're just kind of dragging in at the end of the week, a little bit discouraged, a little bit run down, and then you hit church and boom, it sends you around for another week, empowers you and encourages you and you've got what you need to make it around the circle one more time. Prioritize weekly worship. Whatever that looks like for you, you need it, you're going to benefit from it, and there's just the synergy of all of us getting together. Uh, one of the passages that has been, I think, misused and used as a, as a bludgeon to beat up on people who have handled the last couple of years in different ways uh, is Hebrews 10, 24, and 25. But it's a good passage, and I want you to see why. It says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. So, yes, it talks about the importance of meeting together. And when we can, we will. And when you can, I hope that you will. But what I want you to see in this passage is the command here is not meet together. That's not the main point of this verse. The main point is actually in the front where it says, consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. What is this verse telling us to do? It's not telling us meet together. It's telling us figure out 
put your heads together. How can we spur one another on? How can we send each other around the track with power and encouragement one more time? And then it says, well, one of the ways that we do that, one of the methods is definitely meeting together and, and get in that habit. So I'm not against that. I'm going to argue for that. But let's not miss the point. The point of us getting together is to spur one another on toward love and good deeds. And it talks about it as a habit. One of the challenges of this past couple of years is that it has given a lot of people an opportunity to get out of the habit of meeting together, out of the habit of weekly worship in whatever form that's going to look like now and in the near future. But if you've gotten out of the habit, you can get back into the habit of as well, encouraging one another. So figure out what that looks like for you. Here are the tools that we give that allow you the different opportunities that you can have. Go to cornerstonenh.org slash calendar because relationships happen in the margin. We want you to figure out how to get to alone with God. We want you to get you together with your circle and we want you to worship together with your crowd. And because our faith is a relational faith and the most important relationship is that relationship with your heavenly father. And so let me just give you an opportunity to say yes to Jesus, to move into that relationship. It's not automatic and uh, hanging out with people in church or going to church isn't going to turn you into a Christian any more than sitting in the garage will turn you into a car. It is a purposeful step of faith and a response of faith to what Jesus did. When you say yes to Jesus, you're saying yes to what he did on the cross for you, that his uh, death on the cross for the forgiveness of sins is going to count for you. It's also saying yes to his lordship, to his leadership in your life, that you're actually going to follow him, that he's the boss, he's the pattern you're gonna follow, he gets to call the shots. If you've never done that, I would encourage you to do it now. Commit your life to Jesus, say yes to Jesus. And as you do, then you will move into that new relationship with God as your heavenly father. And he places you in a family with your brothers and sisters. So create the space in your life for those relationships. That's the essence of the coaching, the application for today. If you're going to make progress spiritually, you're going to have to connect relationally. Do you know Jesus? Are you getting to know your heavenly father? Get alone with God. Are you surrounding yourself with people that are going to encourage you and move you in the right direction? Find your circle and engage with them. And then are you, are you showing up? Are you gathering together in whatever form that looks like in the here and now with your crowd, with the congregation of people who are following Jesus? Create space. And I'm actually going to encourage you if you're just going to do one, work it in reverse. Show up every week with your crowd and then find a circle and then establish that habit of reading and responding to God's word. And here's why I, I say that. If you start with the alone time, it's very easy to fall out of that. But if you start with the crowd, 
then that's going to propel you. It's going to move you towards establishing relationships with others who are moving in the same direction. And that will help you to establish the habit of getting alone with God. It works in reverse in that way. But whatever the next step is for you, take it, create that space, commit to it so that you can experience the benefits that happen in our relational faith create the space, create the margin in order for you to connect relationally and grow spiritually. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you that you have made a way because uh, apart from Jesus and apart from his death, burial, and resurrection, all of this would be pointless. But we do have the opportunity to be in a relationship with you and you place us in a relationship with our brothers and sisters in Christ. So help us to lean into that, help us to see the benefits of it, and make it a habit to connect relationally so that we can grow spiritually. We thank you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.